Hi, I am Puneet Khurana. Me and my very good friends Manish Dhawan and Nuresh Mirani brings you Stoic Talks Season 2. We started Stoic Talks as an initiative to bring practical and implementable investing wisdom from some of the best minds in the business without getting selective or biased on the investment style or philosophy they follow. The idea was to learn various viewpoints, choose the nuggets that make sense and develop or enhance one's own investment style. Let's tune in and listen and learn with Stoic Talks. This particular episode of Stoic Talks has been recorded in collaboration with DSP Mutual Fund. With that, now let's welcome the guest for today. Today's guest for us is Sham Shekhar. Sham Shekhar is the ideator and founder of I Thought Financial Consulting LLP. He's an active and renowned investor with a focus on value investing for the last 30 years. His focus as an investor has been on identifying investment opportunities in emerging companies through a sound research-driven process. He also built the first independent proprietary desk on equity research in Chennai. He's an advocate for investor awareness. He was president of Tamil Nadu Investors Association, TIA, from 2012 to 2015. He's an active speaker in public forums and is a regular columnist on Live Mint as well. So, Sham, great to have you here on Stoic Talks. Uh, tell us something uh, about your initial uh, start in the markets, which we don't know about. We've read about uh, you in the book. We've uh, heard a lot about uh, you everywhere else, but something which we don't know about. See, when I uh, completed my graduation, I had no choice but to join a family business, which was in manufacturing. And that didn't excite me that much at that point in time. So, I wanted some escape for a few hours where your mind is not on that, which you are not enjoying doing. In that search, I found uh, my neighbor was an avid investor and I used to sit with him those few hours uh, in the afternoons. Uh, and that's how I got uh, introduced to equities, companies and ownership of businesses. Uh, so it is completely accidental. I had no uh, idea that uh, this is going to be something I will like or this is something that suits me. Uh, none of it. Uh, I was trying to run away from something and uh, I just hid under a staircase and that staircase was this. Luckily, you ended up at a different place. Yeah, when you hide under a staircase, someday you're going to climb that staircase. So that neighbor was Mr. K. Sudarshan, as, yeah, as you mentioned. K. Sudarshan, yeah, correct. Uh, tell us something about, about him and how he probably initially influenced you and probably set the standard operating procedures for you. See, generally, you expect uh, to learn from uh, people who... Uh, you know, give you very smart investment ideas of how you must make uh, very breezy switches, very tactical calls, very uh, effective techniques and so many things. That's how modern investing is. But this was an old school person who believed in buying businesses and owning them and just reading the annual reports, enjoying the dividends, putting the dividends back into some other stocks and not at all showing any worry or concern about what happens to other investors, what happens in the broader market, who is doing what, none of it. So he was basically a person with a very contented personality. And uh, such a personality will have values which are also, you know, allied. So 
that was the uniqueness of him and uh, that was his uniqueness and uh, from that i also learned that uh, you should have your own ideas good or bad hit or miss work on your own to find your ideas don't look outside for anything and uh, he also freely shared knowledge that is another aspect which i learned from him and uh, subsequently also from mr goel that is uh, they share knowledge very freely they discuss very freely if you notice uh, when we meet privately also we discuss very freely there is no uh, chinese wall or anything anyone can ask anything and we'll say what we think that comes to our mind of course it doesn't suit a public discourse like a twitter or some other spaces but uh, that was my learning that uh, you should be very free and uh, frank and honest in what you speak because all those uh, things helped because you know learning phase time is the essence if somebody is holding back anything from you you may lose years you are learning something very fundamental and basic whereas when somebody gives without any condition then the other person doesn't waste time he goes to the next station of learning so the journey keeps moving so that was another aspect which i learned from him that is why my learning was very accelerated over those two years between uh, january uh, between june of 2020 uh, sorry between june of 1990 and uh, may of 1992 so those two years were very very breezy and uh, accelerated a lot was happening in india so we would constantly discuss what will happen because there is intense criticism of everything that is happening in the country no different from what you say today uh, but only thing is uh, it was done by highly uh, educated people scholars academicians and uh, people who we usually respect were all getting that call wrong at that time so for us it was a call against them actually in a sense where you understand what is happening so that contrarian thinking also was forced on us because of the circumstances and the relationship which you have with the person who is teaching you both so post that 1990 92 period how was the lull how did you go through that say 1994 to 97 98 which was a relatively tougher period so 92 march so 92 june to 93 april i was not in the market but i was very much in the investment world so i had no i did zero transactions for 9 months zero nothing any reasons for that i was studying that's when i learned value investing okay. yeah <laughs> i was in bangalore doing a one year program in iim bangalore i used the time to learn value investing in a structured way 92 93 that's it also helped me learn equity research so the 9 months was a time when i learned and uh, again i came back in uh, july of uh, 1993 it almost coincided with the top right of the markets back in back then no only after the top i went to study it's not a coincidence so he felt that uh, things are going to go bad you go learn and then you know don't sit here so he basically asked me to go there rather than uh, sit in uh, the market very interesting so you basically sat out the entire it boom no no 90 to 93 Oh, no, sorry, yeah. Okay. Post Meta crisis. After the crash, I went out. After. So in the book, you also mentioned that uh, the Harshad stocks were uh, 
did not bother you much because you were not invested in the I, I have never in fact i have never participated in any boom uh, uh, any uh, boom which the market has fancied none zero in my entire career i have never participated 92 uh, 2000 94 2008 to 2022 also so in a way your sabbatical uh, that you took for the education was pretty well timed it was conscious that's what i'm trying to tell you it is not timed or anything it was okay. yeah it was guided and conscious so what next after that say we again got a good time in 94 when i came back uh, my friends from the past uh, again we reconnected all my market friends some of them so we again started talking about the context and what is happening and all that at the time i was of the view that we should do equity research we should not do anything else but there was no equity research at that time in india 93 there was nothing actually definitely not in a city like chennai maybe in bombay there are some fis who are just come in and you know you can't even talk to an analyst or somebody in the research field research field people were in ivory towers at that time now they are on the streets but then they were in ivory towers so you couldn't talk to anyone so we did on our own with whatever we had so we had to buy a capital line and you know all those things on your own we spent so we started doing utility research on our own writing a report and then buying stocks based on that sharing those reports with a few investors who respected equity research so that's how it started entirely proprietary driven no clients nothing you, you know sham in the book you mentioned that your first big hit was ponds Uh, which was later bought by Hindustan Unilever, and you had put uh, a whooping sixty percent of your net worth okay, in it. Correct. Now, this is a common theme I've seen in many of India's success stories. Uh, my question is: uh, Do you really look back uh, and and do the calculation of probably survivorship bias and scenario analysis? Maybe in parallel universe, what if that investment had failed? no i don't look back first and second uh, at that point also it was circumstantial somebody wanted to sell ponds and they wanted money immediately and i had the money it's like uh, you see the classic situation of how very very large investors and iconic investors buy big parcels in companies right so you have the money ready that's the first principle somebody comes and wants to sell that's the second one and the third one you are able to make your decision quickly and the fourth one you don't let any procrastination and delays and other behavioral traits come in the way so that's how you buy uh, so there is nothing to look back after that so i think you've done that uh, multiple times uh, i remember the first time we met this was uh, many years back that time it was sugar stocks which uh, you had lapped up from some institutions and a bunch of you investors so how do you all decide and uh, say just for you how do you decide in uh, say because when this happens there is not a big time window to actually decide i suppose right you cannot decide over months or days also so uh, is it more instinctive based or you start working a lot more on that idea no in your mind some I, some Uh, ideas are running, you know. At uh, at any point in time, like today, you will have eight ten ideas running in your mind. You always have space for some more ideas to enter also. So, if somebody like we discuss and you tell me something, have a look, and when I see it, some sometimes it hits you. 
it's like a flavor only right so then you again go deeper into it so it's very instinctive and very natural and uh, very uh, progressive it is not uh, something which is conscious and you keep on doing this all the time so you do it for 10 years 20 years 30 years afterwards what happens is uh, your familiarity with situations starts helping you in some way so but in the early days it used to be a lot of instinctive and uh, then hard working uh, follow up you know combining to make a decision that's how it is yeah prashant my question was around the uh, sizing of the position like let's say if if the same situation were to occur now you're not going to put 60% of your net worth in one bed right uh no because uh, circumstances uh, 60% uh, is not a option but uh, i do have stocks which go up to 25 30% progressively in cycles and then i use oh, it okay. to fund us. okay so would it be uh, fair to phrase it like this because initially once a person is starting off it's it's okay to go concentrated correct it's okay if you know how to handle it it's like you know <laughs> yeah so it's like driving today i won't drive at 150 right right at 21 i probably had some raw guts to do it so looking back if you say is it okay to drive at 150 kilometers i can't say it's okay i mean just be careful and so in the current scenario Uh, how big do you allow any one stock to become in your portfolio at at what level of appreciation would you uh, start uh, that start trimming down the position see in listed uh, stocks you have the luxury of trimming in unlisted we don't it just grows that's all so when you create positions which are not listed then uh, this trimming is not happening nowadays first point the second point is that you also uh try to run some companies for 5 to 10 years at least so consciously i don't look to trim but i trim where i feel the management is not that great there are many companies where situationally you buy like sugar is a situational bit it's a contextual bit okay and when everyone is buying and when there's huge noise when you see in all our whatsapp groups that people are bullish i sell that's when i mean i'm hit by all the positive news and i sell so that that's how i trim in terms of initial bet what is the largest you'll go say in the listed entity initial the first sizing of the bet uh, say for the first uh, accumulation for the first year or whatever no no even last year i went up to 10 12% okay so you stuck to the style of uh, yeah, it doesn't change actually who you are doesn't change too much uh, you only try to control yourself a little bit but now you can't do it too much it's, uh, you it comes back you only control your uh, behavior to some extent it's only a minor calibration but your personality doesn't change drastically i don't think it does and so uh, uh, taking this question to the the cyclical basket uh, how do you diversify there uh, are you concentrated in your cyclical bets as well always i am concentrated i concentrate the bet i concentrate on the bet and it is intense and when i am out of it i forget about it okay so how important is forgetting about it because somebody else may get tempted after you sell no yeah that will also happen that has to happen in fact uh, yeah you start getting interested in something else because uh, in cyclicals you may get tempted on the upside when somebody else makes a lot more money and on on the way down because you research so much about you may call it that this is getting undervalued so how do you avoid that multiple for a period of time in multiple cycles i have made that mistake on the downside 
starting early. I slow myself down nowadays. That experience teaches you to, you know, be a little lazy also sometimes. So, can you give an example of say in the previous cycles where you made a similar mistake of starting up early? Well, you make it multiple times in stay. This mistake would have happened multiple times in the steel and sugar. In two cycles, you would have gone wrong. In the third cycle, we hit jackpot. Tell the audience a little more about this, Sham, because there are nuances to it. Uh, let's just say you're playing this uh, any uh, any commodity cycle. Let's say sugar for that matter or steel and you are not able to time it and you're, you're early. Now, uh, in this situation, uh, what would you do? You, you're not looking at M2M at all and you're just holding on? Yeah, you'll have to wait. First, that's the price you pay. That cycle teaches you patience. It teaches you pain so that you remember it the next time. And you're not diversified either. So there'll be like whatever, three, four stocks and you're totally concentrated on that cycle. And you endure that pain. Yes, it happened before. They will be 20-30% of the portfolio. Like say a lot of people consider that uh, cyclical investing, a lot of people actually are able to time it exactly. But what we've spoken to a lot of investors is there is a say a multi uh, at times multi-year, multi-month period of pain after buying. Uh, and then so the whole trade, uh, say the investment plays out for how long? So. Consider you're playing a cyclical bet. You start on day one. When do you think you'll actually be out of that cycle? In, say, for example, you play steel, sugar. So what is your hypothesis when you start? How many years or months it will take to actually play out? See, it's very difficult. Luckily, in the last four or five years, we had policy driving. So we have started thinking that cycles can be played very easily and that we are very adapted. Without understanding that it's the policy ecosystem that has helped us do this. Earlier it was five years, seven years, wait. And then you have weather patterns, global, and then you have the politicians coming and meddling in it, meddling to harm the investor interest, to make money somewhere else, maybe outside India. So all those factors are there. So you have to have a very uh, clear understanding of what is working for you. Now you have the other extreme where you are very gungo on the policy and you overplay the policy actually today. If you see all these sectors. We are overplaying the policy. For example, today steel. India is going to increase its steel production significantly over the next decade. I mean, if you ask me, that's a given, right? But that doesn't mean you extend your investment hypothesis to say that you can jump and buy steel stocks. You have to buy them at the right valuation. Like you had them at very good valuations uh, sometime last year. Despite the rally in the market, steel was not performing. That was a good time to pick up. Similarly, sugar, you have your lulls. Today, it's a very buoyant market. Again, you'll get a lull sometime. So you need to actually catch these lulls and uh, faces of pain and correction and get in. So what are the specific uh, exit triggers for you uh, in this commodity? Because I know you're not looking at price uh, for your exit decision. Uh, what macro factors are you uh, tracking to to tell you that it's time to exit? I am a bit of a person who doesn't like crowds. So whenever uh, the trade becomes crowded, I exit. I don't look at so much on uh, the other factors. I feel that the crowd is a very good indication to sell. Too much crowd, you must sell. Uh, and how would you know that? Is you it know that today it's easier than... That's the only benefit of today's social media era. That's the sole benefit. Because it's so crowded, you, you can see hundreds of tweets, 
hundreds of uh, WhatsApp and Telegram messages and people sending you screenshots, big videos elaborately explaining the companies as if, you know, it's uh, the only company must buy in for life. You know, that kind of thing happens. That time you can sell. I don't think you should look at macro, EPS and all that. At the time, you don't justify the valuation. You just leave. That's it. So I remember a specific trade of uh, your close uh, investor when he bought at the bottom of the cycle of forging company uh, from an X institution and sold it to the same institution 10x uh, later. So uh, this, does this happen to you in terms of there are sellers wanting to sell it to you yes. and then in the up cycle? Is that also we one of your... Uh, so I don't have a broker who guides me to uh -huh. a seller. We, do, we don't have that. At least I don't have that. No, no. I'm saying people seeing your position asking you to sell it to you right at the top of the cycle. 100%. You can offer and they will take. You can offer it anonymously to any broker and it will go. You don't have to talk to a potential buyer. I have never done that. See, we are still outsiders in this system. Understand this. After 33 years, I am a complete outsider in the financial system. Because you have grown as an investor, it doesn't mean that you have influence. In fact, you are worse off as, the, as you grow. Because more people hesitate to talk to you. Actually, it works the other way around. I don't know, from the outside, it may look something else. Uh, we cannot go on sure interest that we want to buy anything. People want to play you. If you want to sell anything also, you cannot say that you want to sell. People want to play you because we are outsiders. I'll never forget that word, outsiders. Say you started in the 90s and that was a period of time. Lot many people are not into the investment field. So when did you actually turn full time towards uh, equities? And what was the perception of relatives, friends across? Today, I don't work full time on my portfolio. I am today working for small investors. That's what I am doing. Because 2012, I decided to give up my manufacturing. So after that, it took me four, five years to actually transition out. 2018 only, I have completely, you know, 2017, 18, I am completely out of it. So what I did was I started a small advisory activity in mutual funds. Uh, we started studying funds. Today, we have a very good grasp of the mutual fund ecosystem. Uh, I can confidently say uh, that we know their numbers better than they know it. Okay, But it's very, very dangerous and volatile to discuss their investments in the public domain. Uh, we don't want to do that. So I started these activities and we have been working. So that keeps me busy most of the time. I don't spend so much time on my personal investing. So I remember there's a story also to you starting that advisory business. So, if you can tell something about it, how it was. Uh, so, 2008, uh, each of my friends uh, who are in the system, whom we have all grown as analysts together, they are all now fund managers in 2008. They were raising each billion dollar in infra. Right? So, I was far more hot-blooded in 2008 than I am today. So, I asked them, you are taking money from people knowing fully well they will lose. So one of them said that, uh, what is stopping you from playing the other side and stopping them from losing? Then I came back and I started studying the entire ecosystem of mutual funds from a fresh perspective, you know, clean slate, to see whether there is something good in the mutual fund ecosystem also. Actually, I found a lot of good things. But understand one thing, where you should not invest, there is billion dollars sitting in a product. Where you should invest, there is some hundred crores AEM. So as an investor, it was very easy to you know see that uh, uh, contradiction. 
So that is how uh, I started getting curious about mutual funds. Then I said, why not I measure and see which are the guys who are genuinely good through a framework. And then we started uh, identifying uh, which are the good funds. And more importantly, we started identifying which are the bad funds. The guys who are not going to make money for the investor. We know very clearly. But we cannot tell that. And we were waiting. Then after the abolition of entry load, that day I decided, that morning over breakfast, after seeing the papers, I decided to do something formally in that space. That's how we got into that. I didn't start a PMS and all that. Actually, at the time, I had not done this with some idea of, you know, big AUM money. All those things didn't uh, come on my uh, radar itself. We wanted to prove a point. So that's why we started that and that's what we were doing. But not many people understood that. People thought we are coming to take fees from them, make money out of them. In India, everybody thinks that uh, everything is about making the pennies. Okay, And uh, they think that those who make pennies are getting very rich. And that attitude remains to this day in the platform era. Where people don't mind making a lousy choice and losing 25% on the platform. Than you know, incurring a very small insurance cost and getting good advice so that they are safe. Uh, but that has not changed. But this was my thought process. I didn't think about building a AEM big business and all that. I was just enjoying what I did because in my mind, I wanted to be busy and I didn't want to be a full-time investor. I still don't. So uh, the next challenge, was this another challenge when you started PMS? PMS, uh, we started out of uh, a clear uh, identified need. That is, I un understood that uh, RAI is not going to survive very clearly because uh, first if you're a professional doctor lawyer chartered accountant anyone that profession should be respected okay by all stakeholders what i saw was that uh, nobody and i i will not name the stakeholders who maximum disrespected i found that nobody respected the profession and expected the profession to be successful. I don't know how it would be successful. So I saw that writing on the wall. So that is when I decided that uh, we need a, a better way of operating. And then the second thing I found was with number of investors, maybe about 10 to 15% of investors at that time. Now the number is down to a very small number because I don't take such investors on. Uh, you tell them what to do. They will not do what you tell them to do. And then they will come and tell me my returns are poor. You are responsible. Why would a good professional waste a time with such a person? Why would somebody who is respecting his work want to work with such a person? Irony is people think that I am paying you so you have to you know, do uh, what I tell you. right? Who wants that money? So all these things uh, struck a raw nerve and I decided that uh, we'll manage. If people trust and they give us money, we'll do a good job, we'll be accountable. Fully. Let's not be accountable for his idiosyncrasy. So that is what made me shift to the PMS. But uh, Sham, isn't you spreading yourself too thin because now at present you're doing both? No, uh, no. Okay. I September 30th, I stopped. I stopped RA completely, almost completely. I have single, I have maybe low double digit number of clients in RA. That's all. That is because of circumstances. I need to service them, relationships, some few things. No. Absolutely zero RA. I mean, it's not a, it's not a growth activity. It's not something which takes too much of our time. I'll put it that way. Yeah, uh, the numbers are dwindling for RIs any which ways. 
I don't even know, Nuresh, honestly, I've uh, completely switched off because once there was no respect in that profession, I lost interest. It's very simple, Nuresh. See, there is an assumption in India that good professionals are only after money. As long as you have the assumption, you will not even identify who is a good professional, honestly. You're not looking at very little. Yeah, and, but I'm not even sure what's wrong in earning uh, decent money. I mean, I if you are providing a good service, you should be charging money. I agree. In the end, any investor I've had uh, relationships with, I measure what is the performance when before I go on to a discussion with them in the room. I never go without measurement. I don't go for uh, bakwas conversations with the investor. Never go. I never as a habit. It's a habit. Even if it is a thousand rupee SAP, I'll see what is. I'll see the sheet and only see that person's face. So, how do you handle this uh, behavior gap in in the mutual fund domain? Uh, there can be the similar thing that you mentioned, Sham, like. Uh, the the audience doesn't uh, the retail your clients don't listen to the advice that you're giving how do you handle that gap i do i get rid of such clients i parachute out the earliest opportunity if they say they're going we'll let them go i'll never try to retain them it's not worth it uh, manish your health will be spoiled we are here to do service we are like nurses and doctors even if they don't even give you you are a specialist doctor and doesn't even treat you like a nurse. Why should you do that work? I don't understand. So, uh, in that sense, you've seen uh, over the last uh, this many years, uh, you've been an investor, you've been a, say, somebody who's been an entrepreneur, you've been uh, now on the unlisted side also. Which is the most, uh, uh, say, challenging period you had as an individual in whichever cycle or whichever profession? Which was the most challenging period? For me personally, the most challenging was 2020 to 2021. Uh, because in my mind, I had not done a thought about what will happen if I am not around. I had not thought about that. Uh, and uh, that did not uh, get answered very easily. It required a lot of work. So that was a very difficult phase and uh, uh, health is an issue which uh, is a black box. Uh, I'm never comfortable with uh, health related uh, uh, worries. Uh, maybe due to my own past uh, learnings in life and family and other things. So health is something which uh, definitely doesn't uh, give me comfort if it's a serious concern. So that way the COVID phase was the worst. I, I was not thinking about investing in all much and uh, I felt very, very queasy about uh, investing in that period and I am surprised how people are able to, you know, focus on making money at that time. Uh, my mind didn't lend itself to that, honestly. You can call it incompetence or whatever, but it didn't lend to that, that's all. Interesting that you mentioned that, Sham. I've spoken with who's who and everybody echoes precisely this point. Uh, not many people were able to buy this dip because when you see uh, despair and death around, money is the last thing on your mind. Yeah. No, I bought and all that. Something happened. All those things are there, but uh, it was not a phase where you were having your your heart and soul was not in it. Just we were trying to protect the client at the time. That was the primary. So handling their worries, handling their concerns. So that took 70, 80 percent. Then in the my own concerns after that residual. Where do you have time to become aggressive? 
you are having responsibilities right you don't want people to lose money and then tell oh i went to these people they you know they didn't do a good job and people didn't understand uh, that phase so many people didn't understand we're dealing with all their fears concerns and then our own fears second so it was not a easy phase that one year but 21 i stabilized 21 i stabilized and then 22 actually the last year was better for me than uh, probably what the covid year for many people i am myself surprised by that stoic talks has been partnered by dsp mutual fund which was an obvious choice for us having interacted with the dsp team earlier and recognizing how they are obsessed with helping investors take better decisions some examples of their motivation to help investors do better are visible in their research related work which they make available for free including getting smarter tatya report card their invest for good blog among others and many more reports we thank team dsp for supporting this episode of stoic talks and recommend that you follow them on twitter their handle is at @dspmf so uh interesting is the case about 2020 that everyone who had spent a lot more years in the market was defensive but the whole country in terms of uh getting into the markets it could never have been a beautiful period in terms of uh, where the stock prices are at lower valuations and participation has increased i think even in my small period of time i have never seen participation come at the bottom of the cycle we've seen top of the cycle participation uh across the years or maybe across history but this was very interesting so how did you uh, say you would have got a lot of flooding of uh, suddenly clients coming up also so how would you uh, balance it out do you have confusion in your mind okay this is this are all the problems which we understand and what do we do about these clients who just want to get in no we have not dealt with uh, such clients in 2020 2021 that so they have all gone on their own so probably i i assume Uh, 2020 2021 we are not done we are only maintained to whom we are already signed up we have took care of them that's all no new mistake uh, it's only in uh, 21 22 the new people started coming because they saw how we had weathered 2021 that was the real advertisement for us how we managed 2021 then 21 22 they had lot of signups and 22 23 increasingly more and it's increasing again that gradient is on the up but we didn't go out to get business or you know we didn't tell people come we'll do this for you or we were not uh, trying any of that actually we are only attending during covid to the people whom we are already committed to work and to those people new was very low in 2021 so uh, sham you said 22 was a great year for you guys uh, was that the fisher style investments yes. or the turnarounds yes uh, also some of the investments which we made earlier on uh, betting on uh, manufacturing infra they all started uh, firing like anything that year and they're still continuing to be quite buoyant actually so the fisher style has worked very well and i think uh, it worked much better in once the froth started settling because earlier you were uh, you had uh, all these uh, guys who are supplying medicines for uh, covid making uh, 20x and all that we were not part of In fact, we felt that uh, it will not sustain, which is true also. But it's a very difficult thing to say at that time, and probably we shouldn't have said. Because moment you said, and they went up another three x. So, no, actually not. We waited and only said when we after we uh-huh. said it, 
not that much. We are not so yes. Yeah. So a lot of people were early disbelievers, and yeah, they had to. I was quite late to that uh, to ringing that bell, so I didn't ring that bell early. Luckily, because then it will become even more difficult. Another side will get triggered. No, no. I was quite late to that, and uh, we knew that uh, what was happening was uh, too much froth, uh, and it has played out also. You have seen. People are still buying the dip and uh, you know getting trapped in lower top and lower bottom. Numeration is better than anybody else. So that is and the participation keeps increasing. It's increasing now, yeah. So even now, I don't tell anything actually. I don't even comment about it. Let them uh, worship their gurus and uh, go to heaven with them. They will all get jannat in pharma. <laughs> so this is where it gets interesting because uh, we've had discussions wherein you've said that. You are also open to actually trade in and trade out of companies, which you understand, even though it is not as huge a move you want. Just because something is just too situational, you've done that. Done so, is it that you have a core and a satellite portfolio? Yeah, yeah. Or, That's so explain us how do you do it's that? Definitely reducing. I'll tell you why. Because uh, the amount of capital I commit to all this is not more than 10 20 percent of my total net worth. Uh, yeah, it takes a lot of your time. The other things are uh, actually, uh, you know, on cruise mode. You don't do much actually. So your best performing stocks, you have not done anything for five years, and they are giving you uh, huge returns. And that's what happened to me between 2010 and uh, 2018. So the same thing is slowly again showing up between 18 and 23 also, and I expect it to increase over the next two three years because only three years or four years is. The average holding that has happened, I believe in the next two, three years, it could be significantly better because nothing has uh, uh, changed direction. Everything is going the same direction. So 70-80% will be only in that direction. So there's not much to do on that score. So it's only with this little bit of action we have in the 20-30% that we and So you can explain us how you used to do it in the past. We'll learn from that. Uh, running a satellite portfolio. No, you know what you cannot hold for five, seven years. No, you know that very well. Though you feel it could go up and all that, it all happens very fast. Your best idea is money should have made the money within 12, 18 months, 24 months, not seven years. I mean, you're able to sense it. That's what you call as momentum investing. Uh, it's you are able to sense it, right? So, in the satellite, you will have all those things uh, where those trades will come. Now, what Noresh is probably asking is that when you initially started, this 70-30 must have been 30-70. Is it? Uh, in 2010, yes. Yeah, it changed. Yeah, it turned. I am not allowed it to go back the other way, luckily. Yeah, you are right. In 2010, it was, uh, yeah, the 30 has become 80. You are right. So slowly, so once it becomes, it still guides you in a certain way. You know, destiny leads you to many things. Yeah, it's not your genius. So events take you in a certain direction. Your portfolio teaches you. You are not controlling it. It controls you after a stage. So tell us about 2010 to 2018 because that is where you hit a lot of home runs in uh, a lot of companies, sectors. Because uh, now, because you are out, you might be out of some of the, them. You can actually take us through a case. Number of companies How you, actually. Yeah, so. We were able to buy uh, multiple uh, building material companies 
at the bottom of 2010, 11, 12, three years. So went on buying. And they all went up uh, multiple times, 20, 30 times. Then we had uh, shares in Hatsana Group, which we had bought between 100 and 400 crores. So that was another one. There are multiple companies. So we got rid of a lot of cyclicals. Actually, my portfolio by 2013 had zero cyclicals. I went back into cyclicals when I sold these companies. Understand that. I went into sugar after selling these companies. And then I got out of sugar once. Then again got into sugar. Then again got out of sugar. Now I'm again back to the 2010, 11, 12, 13 phase of investing. That's what I'm trying to rebuild now. How would you say in these same companies, I remember a lot of these companies went through uh, two, three years of not being recognized, right? Even though things were going right, uh, earnings were there. So how would you actually create that patience and build a lot more? See, one is you own a position where you are convinced, okay, this is this much part of the portfolio. How do you scale up even though the market is not recognizing? What you are seeing. See, luckily, the macro theme of uh, Indians uh, building homes, getting better infrastructure, um, you know, when you go out of the city, the suburban uh, areas and see how people are rich are living, it is so obvious that that was not a sustainable. So, once I was also moving a lot at that time, going out, meeting people, you know, seeing agriculture, seeing so many other, seeing how the rural beach were, so see, and seeing how the cities were expanding talking to multiple industries. So all that kept me busy and always convinced. I didn't talk to investment world people to buy these ideas. And I didn't get the, reinf get the reinforcement from people within the investment industry. I never did that. In fact, anyway, I don't think anyone is so interested in talking to me except those few friends I have for the last 20, 30 years. Really? So uh, in way of recognizing is market prices also recognizing. It did not be just investors, right? So if you see earnings go up 100% from the time you bought, and the stock doesn't go up 15% also. That is also non-recognizing. Well, luckily market. for us, uh, the market always recognized with one or two quarter lag. So it helped. The lag was not so bad. If it happens for years together, I can understand what you're saying. But it was not so bad. Actually, 2012 onwards, once uh, Mr. Chidambaram came back as finance minister and started mending the economy, Directionally, we had five, six good years of uh, inflation control and uh, things like that, which all helped uh, the businesses where we were invested in, right? So, we were able to hold on. I don't think we faced uh, so much of uh, difficulty. The difficulty came only after the valuations went crazy in 2018. 2018 was difficult. I knew that, uh, you know, you had to save yourself in uh, 2018, once 2017 ended, 2018 began, I knew it. We were able to save our clients. We sold all their mid-cap funds before the budget, like perfect timing. But kudka bechna utna easy nahi hai because you have bought big positions in companies. You can't sell actually. And uh, we don't have the cloud to sell. I don't even have, know who is the institutional broker who can sell the lot. It's, it is, I mean, we have grown and not prepared here. It's as simple as that. You have to come on TV to sell. <laughs> No, I didn't come. That was again something I found uh, continuously violating my uh, freedom because they tell you, you come on TV, we won't ask you a question on stock or five minutes later they are asking. I felt that uh, it was very embarrassing and I am not a person who wants to be personally rude to anyone. I may have strong opinions, but I don't like to be personally rude to somebody on TV and all that. Uh, it's not my style. So I withdrew. Uh, in fact, you will be surprised. Uh, 
Since I started my PMS, I have not made a single television appearance. Zero. And even before that, I would have had three or four in a year, which I felt was unnecessary. So we stopped all that. So we don't know how to sell. Uh, it's because you don't know who is the buyer. And otherwise, you have to sell every day. We are busy working for the client. So you are the last priority, like doctor forgetting to take his own medicine. Yeah, like we say, doctors are the worst patient. Yeah, so it happened. 2018, it happened. So it, and then you had 2020. In 2020, I said, okay, let me go back to my 2010 to 12 phase. I consciously said, two years, I'll reset myself back to that. That's what will work for what work I am doing, because you should not sell. You should hold for five, seven years. And you cannot do all this, uh, where there's a need to change. Even once in two, three years, it's difficult as a professional. So in these small caps, have you uh, been, uh, have you ever met the management? Or do you think a management meeting or attending uh, AGMs or what is your uh, preferred way going scuttlebird? What is your preferred way? So, Nuresh, uh, in the 90s, I learned all my investing doing that. Going to AGMs and meeting management. Otherwise, management won't meet us in those days. Even now, I find a very peculiar thing which I am going to share with you. I may own 4%, 3% in a company, 2% in a company. Management conducts an investor meet without inviting us, even sending us a cursory invitation. This happened in multiple companies. Then management takes into confidence some other investors whom they think are, you know, influential. Okay. And then they tell them things in private. I am very uncomfortable about all these things. I sell and exit such companies, even after hearing that information which they said in like I don't want to work with this kind of companies this uh, happens all the time uh, so I have simplified uh, in such a way that uh, today uh, the structure is like this uh, my analysts attend the con calls I personally don't attend any of them they send me the update and then if I really need to listen to a con call I read the transcript it's easier to read than to listen uh, that's it very 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 few managements I have met uh, handful very few. It's difficult to get meetings also, let me say that. Uh, unless you are from a particular geography, it is difficult to get meetings from Indian managements, even today. Okay. Is it Chum? I thought we have gone past those days. No, it's not so. It's a misconception. The whole institutional industry works on uh, managing the meeting, so let's not go there. No, no, it's fine. We accepted that reality. Uh, but, uh, so, the point is, AGMs is where we've seen a lot of investors say initially, I think all of you older investors used to attend AGMs where at least the management is forced to at least answer a few questions. That is how we learned, correct. Sham, uh, tell us something about your asset allocation, let's say between real estate, equity and debt. I don't have much debt. I'm not a believer in debt that much. Um, I have uh, public market investments, private market investments, and real estate. So you have to understand one thing. My family, before I came to stock market, had 5% to 10% in the business, 90% real estate. I almost, I didn't, I didn't flip it the other way around to that, that extreme, but to a significant extreme over 28 years, we had reversed it by 2018, where the equity was very high and real estate was very low. Over the last two, three years, I have again reversed it a little bit. 
So real estate is about 35-40%. So you've allocated more to real estate? Yeah, 40 because of today's valuation, but I would have allocated some 25 or something. Uh, So I think I remember another case wherein you bought your, uh, say, uh, holiday home with a particular stock investment. I think you should take us through that uh, uh, trade as well as uh, uh, the decision to do that. Mostly, when I was uh, having a capital of uh, 10 lakhs, I went with two of my friends and uh, we sat uh, in a holiday timeshare resort by the lake. We we went to ideate. You know, those days uh, we would go sit for three, four days and discuss ideas freely. So we get all the time, morning, evening, night, like we meet in various places. Same thing. Those days, 93. So that time, one day while we were walking, uh, I, my friend and I had this jokula conversation that in this crescent, it will be nice to own a house. And we kept on discussing that uh, joke uh, for nearly 20 years. Then sometime in 2015, I went to visit a family friend who was also my client one afternoon on a Sunday. He said, uh, while I was leaving, he asked me, very softly, he said, you know, I have this thing. Uh, I have one project. I want one person to buy a property. I asked, where is this place? He said, uh, he gave me the location. It was in that crescent, exactly. So I said, uh, if you will not mistake me, uh, can I buy that property? I didn't ask the price. I didn't ask uh, when the money had to be given. I didn't ask whether you can get a loan on it. None of it. Because it was in the crescent. Uh, he said, if you are coming, that will be great. And I have a very high personal regard for that person. He's very close to our family. So the decision was made like this. It's not a calculated decision or anything like that. Then I had to arrange the money. It was very, very high at that point in time. So I saw my portfolio and said, which is the most expensive stock? And I sold it. And I paid for it. No loan, nothing. And I think you made a lot of money on that stock also. Yeah, it was a, it was rich. When I sold it, it was rich. Today also, after 8 years, it is still 25% above the price I sold. That's all. It was very rich, even at that time. So I think that destiny made me do that asset switch. It's not a... So similarly, in 2020, 2020 also, I got another property like that, similar. Uh, very good seller, casual conversation, and that's how it happened. It's not uh, something where you... When something comes, you act. You don't delay. Because this is where there is a lot of uh, problems with the way new fin, uh, fin tweet, influencers say... You should not buy properties. You should not do this. And you end up old age with a lot of money and nothing to do. And this is what we've seen with a lot of investors. There are times where they've made investments which are purely because you've gained so much in life. This little asset allocation change will not change your life. And anyways, most of you have continued to be on the same lifestyle. Yes, Murishi, I don't understand how Somebody who has got so many strong opinions will first live life. I mean, <laughs> um, I have seen my father tell me that, you know, in life you must buy a Mercedes. Okay. 
so when he got the money enough money to buy the mercedes i asked him why don't you buy the mercedes he said i don't need it now right yeah he said now i don't need it so i realized that when he needed it he didn't have the money and when he had the money he didn't need it simple this is what i learned from my father's life most of my learnings are from my grandfather my father it's only from them because they worked much harder than i did in much more difficult circumstances and they had headwinds all their life we are all people who are products of economic tailwinds printing money and all sorts of economic tailwinds liberalization then you are a you are a beneficiary of digitization so many things are so i realized that uh, whatever comes your way if it comes early it gives you opportunity to live and telling people not to live that life which they have earned is not wisdom first of all you should not listen to such people but you have millions of followers for such people and that is the order of the day and i accept it i'm not in uh, any rat race with any of them i enjoy my life they are in misery so fine that's how it is so uh, going into that same part you've learned from your fathers and grandfathers i think you have a coterie of uh, chennai based investors which you have been i think maybe for multiple decades now where you sit and discuss so how has it been in terms of uh, learning say how how important is it to have that uh, say core group of people where you can actually be open to talking and taking criticism etc and how necessary also it is it works very well when it is early days in wealth creation as the wealth creation goes up it stops working so the profile of your own group you will have to form group with people who are in early days of wealth creation you should go have the humility to mix with people who are very very young for all ambitious learning and talk to them listen to them and learn what their thought processes while the old cycles also I mean sorry while the old circles also exist i believe that the newer circles are more important the 22 year old the 23 year old the 27 year old they are the new influential circles in my life but why would they hang out with such a old man <laughs> You must ask them. I have no clue. So initially, when you used to discuss all of y'all, how did it help uh, in terms of uh, say a big bad year? Uh, did it help a lot more, or uh, uh, it was a problem in terms of uh, biases between each other? It is a big problem of biases between each other, honestly. Because somebody who has been wrong uh, will take it personally. and somebody who has been right will also take it personally and you have to engage these two sections it's difficult it's very tiring after age you don't want to you would rather engage with young people who think you are an old man than with old people who think they are young sham uh, uh, we are negativa is a phrase uh, that means you learn much more from your failures than success uh, can you walk us through some of your failures and what did the post mortem post mortem reveal to you oh, the- and also while you while you read the topic please help us understand uh, how do you uh, do a unbiased post mortem of a mistake oh, i will give you one and that is uh, enough 
uh, for uh, this thing. See, uh, what we think in our mind is larger institutional investors, when they make bigger bets of money, have better due diligence, have better boardroom monitoring, have better uh, independent directors and you know mechanisms to steer businesses out of trouble. This is the thinking that we are all grown on. If we blindly bet on that thinking without our own individual processes to validate whether they are doing the right thing, we just go behind them thinking that he is very strong, so he will protect us, then you will be sunk. Because he fails, we all fail. I think that has been the biggest uh, um, learning of uh, my uh, career. I think that uh, I overestimated uh, private equity investors, especially large, large firms, global firms. And uh, I think I took them for granted that they will have good processes. Uh, it didn't work. It worked very, very badly. So once I understood that, then I had myself become a private investor and built my own ecosystem of people and uh, friends who we collaborate with. So that way we are much better and on top of situations today than we were four or five years ago. So that was the biggest learning. So after that, I don't take any big investor very seriously because today he will be an investor, tomorrow he will say I am a seller. So we are not like that, right? Even with much smaller positions, we are looking at five, seven years. And uh, we cannot afford to take the kind of failures they take because of their fickle nature and their lack of application. That has been my biggest learning. And I hold only myself responsible. I shouldn't have uh, thought that uh, private equity is so, so robust. So, any particular, uh, say, uh, say investment where you thought you were gung-ho and it fell right on your face? Or any theme which you were uh, way too early, I think that has also happened. That before. even now, 2018, it happened in tourism and travel. 2020. 2018 to 2019, we are becoming gung-ho. 2020, you get uh, COVID. And then it uh, explodes on your face. It happened. As late as uh, 2020, it happened. Tourism and travel was one such sector. But see, I'm also quite quick in uh, spotting opportunities, even in that crisis. Like, for example, we were invested uh, in travel and tourism. I raised my bet in 2020 at the bottom. In both private and public market investments, uh, the public market investments have done modestly. Uh, one has done very well, one has done modestly, but the private market investment has done exceptionally well. So, these things happen, we learn. Company going to zero and then you are putting more money on it, like it's not easy. So, in 2018, here I was thinking that there is this private equity investor who is a smarter guy, following whom I can make money. Within two years, I am myself a private market investor. Putting my money where my mouth is. That is the transition. It's uh, easy to see the failure, but the failure and the lesson happened within two years for me, which I count as a blessing.
Toy Talks has been partnered by DSP Mutual Fund, which was an obvious choice for us, having worked with the DSP team earlier and recognizing how they are obsessed with helping investors take better decisions. Some examples of their motivation to help investors do better are visible in their research-related work, uh, which they make available for free, including Getting Smarter, Tathya, Report Card, their Invest for Good blog, among others. We thank Team DSP for supporting this episode of Stoic Talks and recommend that you follow them on Twitter at DSPML. Yeah, so uh, in your uh, travel example, I don't think it would fit in the failure list because it's an unfolding story and uh, uh, Corona happened, which was like uh, from the left flank and you added up. So this is an unfolding thing. Wouldn't really term it as a failure. Manish, you are uh, assuming that uh, solvency would maintain in such situation. The company could have gone insolvent. We have recapitalized at that point. Shown conviction at a point when there was no conviction anywhere around you. We have failed and again become successful. The circumstance may be the reason, but business failure happened because of circumstance. I can't blame circumstance. Correct. The, it's a real thing, like running a company. If it goes like that, you need to work your way back and you need to put money on the table again. So any case where actually the things did not play out at all. See, in this case, it was external. Where you thought X hoga hua Y types. Anything you remember from the past where... See, because you have played a lot of themes, right? And a uh, I think a lot of your small cap investments have always been thematic rather than, uh, uh, say, any other ways to look at it. All have been themes, whether it was home, home building materials or, uh, say, any growth companies you've taken, right? So anything where it went opposite to what you thought. Say, you thought the theme will play out and it did not play out at all. See... I think we have been early and uh, got wrong. Uh, I mean, too early has been multiple times. Many things would have happened like that. Where we would have got in too early and then waited four, five years and then we go out and then three, four years later it plays out. So, this. So, any particular thing. So, that is how we'll get to know some sector. Okay, how thematics can take much more than you think, much more time. No, it happened in. Uh, it happened even in TTK Prestige, where we were so early. I got in at the valuation of 21 crores market cap. Understand that. This was uh, in... Uh, uh, I think it was late, early 2000 or late 90s. One of the... I, I forgot the years exactly. I don't know. I'm not sure whether it's 99 or 2000. Somewhere around that period. Maybe maybe in the 90s. Late, late 90s. So, because the four years after that, it's not 2000. It's 90s, late 90s. So, that happens. So, that happens. It has happened multiple times. We were very early to that party. It took off in 2007. Understand? Eight, nine years later. Uh, so, we were little... We made money, but not the money which we should have made. Okay. So, that is uh, one case. Uh, similarly, uh, we sold out of these Amin stocks at a very good valuation. Actually, we sold at very good valuation. Yeah. I think they went 2x or something. Now, it's below even what we sold probably. I have no regret. I have no regret. I am not here to, I am not a froth merchant. I am very, I am not a... I remember one of these companies, uh, the first time I met you uh, back in the day, this was uh, one thing which company we discussed and that was a company which had a little lower respect in the market. Yes, yes. 
because of diversification. But Durish took it this way. I bought it for 40 rupees and sold it only as a multi-bagger. I should not have any regret that I didn't uh, take the maximum froth out of it. See, once you decide to be a froth merchant, one day the froth will run down and get to you. So, that is something which I never regret. But you will have to deal with uh, the temporary phase where you sell and it goes up. But how do you accept say, a lot of these small companies, right? We have something which you call the company is great, but these are the black areas. Like we call masala thoda zada, namak zada. How do you, what is your factor of digesting? What is things you can digest and what you cannot digest in a small cap company? So, for example, there could be one division which uh, they should not be in. I'll give you a classic example. There will be one division in a company which they should not be doing at all. I would think that it is a promoter's intelligence. What if he has got a house? Now, when you take a very, very large company today, which is uh, 30, 40,000 crores, when it was uh, 3, 4,000 crores, the promoter bought a house in my city for 100 crores. He's still been a multi-bagger, no? So, okay, TK, this is that fellow's indulgence. Despite this, is this business good or not? So, I just take that completely out of the equation. Whereas people obsess over it. I'll take it to zero. I'll take it to zero and say this is zero. It's not going to hurt. If it doesn't hurt, it doesn't pinch the company's cash flows and pocket. Just ignore it. Think it's that fellow's stupidity. Look at the good part and see what you'll pay for the good part. This is how I look at it. And what you cannot digest in a small cap? Or say you made an investment and some years down the line, they do something. What you cannot digest? I cannot digest uh, promoters playing the market, first thing. And uh, I cannot digest investors playing the promoter. These are the only two things. Any other business related thing, economy related thing, I can digest. So, uh, this is where, uh, say, when you go into small caps, this keeps on happening, right? Yeah, Over the years. You have to relive despite that. So, say, now today, when you look at it in terms of small caps, you now, I know a lot of companies where you've kept holding for many, many years and the things are not played out, right? So, how do you question yourself, your own thesis? I had thought this, how long should I wait or how long should I keep uh, remaining invested in the theme or you just say because I thought I'll stay. Sometimes uh, once I have stayed very long, seven, eight years, uh, when I get something better, I say that maybe destiny is bringing the other one before me so that I move a little bit out of this. That's how I move. Uh, there are many themes uh, which are policy related. For example, I did not expect the fertilizer team to work so much, but expected the drinking water team to work better. Okay, the market did the reverse. The managements of all these water companies are also to blame. Tata's went and merged into Tisco. Somebody else did something else. So, uh, and now the whole theme is at a very mature stage domestically. So, we have to see whether international business will come to them. I have already spent 7-8 years. Why should I spend another 5 years? If something else comes, I will move to that. As simple as that. See, apna time ho gaya na. You have, you have overstayed already. And then you are going to stay longer. I look at my tenure. I don't have too much time to do things, right? Interesting. In fact, Shambh, uh, isn't the opposite is true? Because a lot of times you can suffer from sunk cost fallacy. Now that I've spent seven long years in it, maybe it's time is about to come. I should stay longer. No, I... At that point, I see what the management is doing to give me comfort. Give me not me. Give me means not me personally. Uh, give all of us comfort. How is there? 
have they improved over the last three, four years their public communication? Are they giving clarity? Are they saying, no, 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 my competitor will know what I'm doing? You know, that kind of nonsense which they talk to mislead shareholders. So I look at that. And where I find that they're not giving me even a fair opportunity to evaluate them, I get out. Because I have trusted them for so many years. And they're still not uh, giving public information. Let them at least do a con call or something and tell everyone. If they're not even doing that, I feel that I'm just living on hope. I don't do that. Once I feel that they're not doing justice, I'll get out. You can argue that you could have done this long ago. We are betting on a team, a business and stuff like that. Finally, when the management is a letdown, the team or the business doesn't matter. So, uh, essentially, when we go through this discussion, we realize most of your investments are five, eight years. So, it's almost like you're doing private equity investing in uh, the listed space in the small That cap. is what gave me returns. Honestly, that is what gave me returns. I have not been successful in making fast money. And uh, whenever I've tried that, I would have probably failed. So, I don't try that at all. This is very interesting, uh, Sham, that you mentioned that because uh, as an outsider, when I uh, when I read the book uh, and also uh, listening to your conversations, my impression was the exact opposite. I thought you made majority of your money in the cyclicals. No, no, no. I, I make some money in cyclicals, which I put in these kind of companies and make money here. Is it because uh, cyclicals and all those take a lot more time more often? compared to these investments because once made you're not making a lot of decisions uh... no i think this misconception about uh, cyclicals money is because my name appeared in the shareholding patterns of cyclicals whether it doesn't appear on the shareholding pattern of other companies so people think that i'm a cyclical investor which is not true at all and some tv fellow will say that this person is a contrarian cyclical they will use some adages for which i am not responsible but uh, they stick what to do so uh going back to uh, say you've gone into private equity investing also right how have you, how has it been uh, because i think for a it is only the last five years or last three four years where you uh, participated a lot so how can you change thinking over there like being a listed equity guy mutual funds small caps this is the last thing which was left i suppose so there i am looking at how we can build a business over eight ten years so my own manufacturing company, which is a family concern, in 94, I wanted to exit that business. Personally, I wanted to leave the business. But circumstances didn't allow that. Though we had decided, it didn't happen. Do you know when it happened? It happened in 2018, finally. 2012, phase one, complete exit happened in 2018. You take even 2012 as the early exit date, right? 94 to 2012 is 18 years. I tell myself that today where I am investing, I will be out much earlier and it will be run by people who are really charged to take the companies to a better place. So my orientation has completely changed in these companies where we, we think like business owners and not like investors. So we want to take those companies to a level in which they are publicly valued and where the price discovery happens every day, maybe in IPO or whatever. We are not looking at taking a company to a certain size and then flipping it to a bigger buyer. That is not our intention. So the whole cycle is where you want to be Correct. invested. 
and uh, and sham are you concentrated there as well in the unlisted spits or are you uh, diversified no of concentrated uh, this is one thing which we've noticed in all our stock talks is we speak to investors and they say concentration and then you go to the internet you'll say you should diversify diversify and the worst part is uh, diversification because of that starts at an early age but 99% of all our conversations uh, with investors tell us to start concentrated so how do you actually say if i'm a new investor how do you actually tell me okay this is why you should concentrate see it is not a strategy to concentrate firstly if you are able to raise your conviction to such a level you concentrate if your conviction is not at that level don't concentrate as simple as that simply saying that you know some other investor was successful concentrating doesn't mean that i can concentrate we consider say conviction is there but how do you get the guts for it right uh, the guts so, always come when the valuations are in our favor in 2018 i don't have the guts to concentrate i diversify in 2022 i am concentrated because 21 22 gives you that opportunity so one of your rules is concentrate when the times are correct bad. and see diversification happens only when the opportunity comes suppose i have money today and in the next one year there is going to be a funding winter in private equity if i get seven eight opportunities and i am able to put certain sums of money it will become diversified you are you are driven by where the opportunity comes from if there are no opportunities and you only see a few opportunities which are very very attractively valued to you there you concentrate it's all driven by what you are comfortable what is your style and what is the market giving you as an opportunity so how much say uh, importance do you give to cash so do you hold cash or uh, at point of time uh, shift or do you leverage i do leverage at times the idea is strong i don't wait then i again have to deleverage also after period of time because what happens the window you get to buy is only 6 months 9 months i can't wait for one stock to be sold to buy another stock so that happens i am not so much of a investor who uh, holds cash all the time but having said that i held some cash from 2006 to 2010 four years that cash i deployed in 10 11 that is also reason why uh, i was able to accelerate my investment performance in that decade so again i have to create that cash i don't know where it's going to come from i feel this decade also will get that opportunity so that is something which i need to do now so when was the last time you leveraged a lot or how did you decide or when was the last time you don't leverage a lot i suppose but when was the last time you had to take that No, from 13 to uh, 18 continuously we were quite aggressive so you kept on buying 10 11 12 13 and then you kept on yeah because the value was going up no you were able to add ideas only post 18 we have been uh, shrinking and again now if the economy supports we will take opportunity and how do you handle drawdowns uh, uh, in leverage because leverage is a two two edged sword right you must have such huge uh, uh, collateral you must have uh, maybe 68 times if you have eight you are comfortable at least six times you should have 
so basically 20% on the portfolio is roughly the leverage is the highest yeah, yeah 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 that's the max doing the reverse calculation yeah, correct that is the highest that is very high actually n is my 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 number actually sometimes you'll be on the other side because of ideas so that becomes manageable uh, all through see if you're right in a cycle and you take uh, leverage you can create huge sums of money and there are many investors i don't want to name them because it will appear we are comparing with them that's not the case but i am saying that uh, that is possible so you've been an outsiders right as you say so any of the outsiders you respect a lot which nobody knows about or even if they know about they don't know how uh, say intensely they've helped or you've got inspired see our circle itself is people who are not that uh, who are the same type some of the friends go on to become institutional investors after that we don't talk to them see many people who in our circle they grow to become very large investors after that uh, we cannot talk to them it's not easy to talk uh, so again you will see new people who are coming in so it's a cycle you move with newer and newer people see you and i didn't decide that we will have conversation it just happened right similarly it happened so many things suppose i have a doubt i suddenly ask you some opinion like that we ask so many people and learn from them uh, what they are thinking and that's how it is so there are lots of people india is full of uh, people who are uh, learning on their own and uh, sometimes having very sharp assessment of companies without uh, being in the inner circle of those companies there are a lot of people who sit in the galleries and have better view than people who are on the so do you think it was an advantage uh, that uh, you guys were out of it uh, in terms of uh, uh, say the whole uh, crowd which was there chasing a lot of things and you were sitting on the outside and watching it's very helpful i am very uncomfortable being in that crowd for example i would not be comfortable going and staying in a hotel and attending some uh 15 18 management meets in 3 days and all that i it's not my cup of tea i can't do it so i am better off just sitting in one place and discussing with people and then suddenly something coming up and then we getting into it and reading you know uh one thing we've noticed over the years you've become more candid on public media also so how have you been uh, uh, so at times people tell a lot of your tweets are cryptic so how much time does it go to make it cryptic and hide your uh, actual views no to be frank i think being candid is a mistake i regret it uh but i still have those bouts where i say some things but i believe that i am slowly learning to not say so it doesn't help uh, nuresh everyone takes everything personally and then you have i know people uh, who are affected immediately will open an account and uh, with one follower they will come and abuse you you will know actually who these people are so it's not worth it who are we working for somebody who doesn't even appreciate what you are saying we want to flag something it's not against the person who is benefiting from it it is aimed at the person who may be affected by it If that person also joins hands with the beneficiary and he starts abusing you what's the point Yeah, there is no upside to. There is no upside. Only it's a lose lose. Now, pure downside. Why should you do it? Whereas, whereas in the earlier years when we it was non-social media era, you were appreciated for uh, being uh, frank and outspoken. That is what we had grown upon. No, but in fact, you know, uh, before you joined us, me and Nuresh were talking about this. This is something that we like about Sham. He is one uh, Bindas candid person. So he speaks his mind, calls spade a spade. 
So, but you you probably write that there are not many people who appreciate this nuance. Yeah. I will tell you one interesting thing. So, in the 90s, there were certain personalities whose investing are not worth writing home about. Also, they have become very big stars in social media. So, now, what they say runs contrary to what they did actually. We remember what they did actually. But the guys who follow them all think that they are God's gift to mankind. Right? I'd rather just let it be. Sometimes I used to point out that, you know, remind them and all that. Then I realized it's not worth doing. So it's, uh, I think social media era is about projecting something about you, which is you are not actually. We have not done that ever actually. So... In fact, I have never discussed uh, where I have been hugely successful or told people that I am owning this, you please buy this or try to say that we can at the flip of a coin, you know, ideate something new. It doesn't work that way. We don't know when you will get the new idea. You know how long you have to wait. You don't know where you will go wrong. So many things are there. So we are not trying to project some kind of infallibility. We accept that it's very valuable world for us. So, a recent initiative we've seen is uh, you've been creating YouTube videos uh, more often and also to a, f- a focused audience. Uh, how did this come along? I wanted to distract myself from uh, the noise of Twitter. And I wanted to say things in a more calmer and a, a more composed way. So I started doing in Tamil uh, because here the thinking in the Tamil world is more hostile to good economics than in the rest of India. We are a developed state, but we are not a state of uh, developed economic minds. So our uh, thinking is very socialist and uh, people who are earning lakhs of rupees in cognizant want uh, cheap petrol, cheap gas. You know, that's the kind of thinking people have. So I felt, let me talk to this audience, a difficult audience and a difficult uh, place to, you know, interact. So I started there. And uh, over a period of time, uh, I learned to say things in a more uh, patient way where people are able to catch and there's nothing cryptic also. So I say it in very clean, simple language. Hopefully, I will do in English also. Subsequently, I started in English also. I have a channel which has got about 10,000 following. Very slow. Uh, it's also like my investing only. So, <laughs> so, activity comes in burst. It may come, it may not come. I don't know. But I am just doing it to distract myself. One thing I learned after going to YouTube is I don't go to anybody's timeline on Twitter. Zero. Except friends who will not mistake my saying something. So that way, YouTube has helped me to stay away from anonymous people, stay away from all the negativity. It has helped. And you've been active on uh, uh, Chennai Investors Association also for a very long time. No, it has grown uh, uh, significantly. It has outgrown all of us and that's a very happy thing to say also. So you uh, have been also in terms of uh, making investors more independent learn. So... Has it helped you also personally doing that? Yes, I also do financial planning today. 
so I set the target for myself to create a private portfolio in 2017, achieved in 2022. Now I am setting myself a, a target to achieve a global stocks portfolio in the next five years of the same similar size. Uh, I set myself a target to achieve a reality portfolio. I finished it. So what I did for others, finally I learned to do for myself also. Earlier I was not doing all this. So I've done a lot of those things. Now I'm thinking that over the next three years, I'll build a micro small cap portfolio also. Uh, one by one, slowly adding ideas. It'll take two, three years for me because I don't want to rush. I want to wait out this phase of politics and all the uncertainties. And hopefully during that phase, I will be able to build. The capital will come from one of these cyclicals where I make the money. I just set it aside and slowly again have fun. I enjoy my work more than the, the returns and all this math. And only when I enjoyed, I made better returns. That is also a, a corollary to that. I have not uh, performed very well as an investor when I tried to perform very well as an investor. I performed very well as an investor when I enjoyed my investing. And whenever it became an obligation to perform, I, didn't, uh, I neither enjoyed nor performed. So I don't want that uh, thought process to ever come again. Yeah, this punchline can become a snippet for a podcast. Very well said. No, it, it's a fact. Whatever I am telling you is what we would speak in private. I'm just saying the same thing because there's nothing to hide. Because uh, you are not uh, worried about how much return you're making, how much you make more than others or anything like that. You want to be more rehearsed and uh, more patient in your pursuit. And you want to improve your craft. So, all these are connected, right? Only if you are all this, you can improve your craft. And uh, when you improve your craft, your returns also reflect that. It's a aesthetic that shows. So, it's a continuous learning and it's a continuous process of personal change and improvement. At every stage, you have to become a better person in what you do, not necessarily a smarter person. You become a better person in what you do, then you go to a higher stage. And again, you have to learn because uh, at that stage, what you were five years back is not enough. You are insufficient for your own needs, actually. This happens. I have noticed that in my life and it's continuously happening. So at this stage, you again learn and you become uh, up to speed to what you need to be. Now, only changes you are trying to be up to speed before itself because you know it's coming, right? And you are managing other people's aspirations, their goals, their dreams. So, you should be even more uh, prepared. So, that way, last five years have been very good for me, 18 to 23. Because the level of preparation we are doing now is cultural and it's constant. We are continuously preparing. So, that is how we are able to uh, do slightly better than what people expect. Otherwise, it would have been difficult. So, we all make this uh, huge issue of uh, outperforming, uh, active, all these things, you know. I think uh, the quest of all these things is internal. It's within you. It's within your team. It's within your ecosystem. It's within your circle. And not something outside, you know. It's not uh, something you project. If it happens inside, it will show up. Otherwise, it won't show up. And you have to continuously work to make it happen. Uh, I think it is possible if you enjoy it. Otherwise, uh, you are not going to perform. If you see all these guys who made a grandstand of performance earlier, either as individual investors or as professional uh, mutual fund managers or as PMS managers, once they grandstand, they stop enjoying what they do. It becomes an onerous task. 
okay uh, after a while it becomes a misery i'm answering and then it's a downward spiral i have already spent 33 years and uh, generally i avoided that spiral most of the time so that has to continue for a long time when you see today as we speak uh, 99 and 96 year old uh, fiduciary investors talking to us i think we are nowhere near you know it's uh, such a long period where people invest so we need to prepare ourselves for much longer periods of uh, doing the same thing hopefully longer than what uh, is expected of us and what we think we can do so it's a difficult thing it's not easy to acknowledge it and once you do it for others as well as yourself you must do it the same way for both uh, so i'll have one question to end it up say a lot of people want to be full time investors and you are someone who's been uh, investing full time only but has had multiple things which take away time so what do you suggest to people why they should be also building stuff apart from being purely an investor we all talk about uh, multidisciplinary learning about how experiences uh, you know help uh, you become better at different things if you have to get experiences then you have to work in different areas only when you work in different areas you get different experiences of how things work what will play out correctly what won't play out how to anticipate the future how to anticipate problems all these things cannot come if you are a full time investor it will happen only if you do a lot of things and when you do a lot of things you learn and you learn to cross fertilize your experiences also and i think it is that cross fertilization which uh, gives you a lot of ideas in fact many of the things which are given me large sums of money happen because of that experience in another place leading to income in the stock market uh, so you have to really pursue many things i think having multiple interests and uh, having a full time anchored profession is very very important investing cannot be a profession and convince the board that that's what i was taught and that's what i also constantly mention because i see a lot of people who think it is easy to make money in stock market therefore you can give up your profession to come to stock market i was stopped from thinking that on the day i came to stock market and rightly so in 92 also i was stopped from thinking that before ajan meta and i was encouraged to study equity and all these things structurally only so that i don't get carried away by the feeling that making money in stock market is easy so i think that the full time investor always starts thinking that he is smarter than those who run businesses he is smarter than those who uh, provide services he is smarter than those who practice professions and that he can earn more money than everybody else that belief itself is the most dangerous thing one can invite into one's life if you should not invite that you should not be a full time interesting perspective so people can actually think of how it is uh, looked at multidisciplinary need not be just by reading it can it has to be by actual experiences great so any parting words you would like to have for say we've gone through the cycle of a lot of people those who have come into the markets uh thanks to covid thanks to having the time what would you say those who have or those who somebody who is a 20 year old 25 year old 
from your 30 years of experience what they should be doing over the next two three years suppose somebody has spent say one to five years in the market very interested what should be what should they be doing over the next three years firstly i am convinced that their next 30 years is going to be better than my last 30 i am very convinced about that so um, being an investor is a great thing for them to pursue they should invest and they should not be driven by recency they should think beyond 5 10 years and do things which they can sustainably do for a very long period of time so invest in companies which you can sustainably own for 5 years at least if you at 25 years are able to buy a company which you can sustainably own for next 15 years you are doing better than people like me which i think you should given the opportunity before you the world is changing india is changing at a rate faster than the world and india is catching up with the world in that process numerous new opportunities will unfold so use your age your uh, courage your uh, adventurous spirit to identify these opportunities to understand them better to grow your conviction sensibly in them and to pursue them with your money then your next 10 20 years will be way better than the last three decades of liberalization i think the best is definitely before you and you should be enjoying the experience of being investor and also capitalizing on the opportunity make it fun that's all i would say uh, that's a great way to end it make it fun and enjoy your yeah on that note sham i would like to thank you for taking out the time uh, and being so candid and honest and educational this was wonderful i personally had a great time thank you manish and nuresh always a pleasure same always uh, it's always fun to talk with you thank you so much bye bye cheers this audio podcast is for general information purpose only and contains the personal views of the spokespersons do not construe this as an investment advice Listeners before acting on any information should make their own investigation and seek appropriate professional investment advice before doing so. Any sectors, stocks or issuers mentioned do not constitute any recommendation and DSP Investment Managers Private Limited, the AMC, may or may not have any future positions in these. While utmost care has been exercised, the spokespersons or the AMC do not warrant completeness or accuracy of the information and disclaim any liabilities, losses or damages arising out of the use of this information. Past performance may or may not sustain in the future and should not be used as a basis for comparison with other investments. Mutual fund investments are subject to market risks. Read all scheme related documents carefully.